Amen. So we can just say, praise God, we're not running the comrades this morning, hey? Yeah? <laughs> um, if you have a Bible, you can go to Daniel 10 this morning, and we'll get there in a moment. Father, we want to say thank you for another moment together as a spiritual family in, in this city. Lord, I know you've called us for such a time as this, Lord. I believe that you're doing a mighty work in our midst, Jesus. And I pray this morning that we would have ears to hear what you're doing. I pray this morning, Father God, that your word would come forth unadulterated, un, just unblemished, without mix, Father God, of the flesh or anything, but completely off your spirit, Father God, that it would be spirit to spirit, iron sharpening iron this morning, Lord God, that we would be built up and established, Lord, that we would be cleansed, that we would be equipped, that we would be made strong, Father God, so that we could serve you now in this time, Father God. I pray, Father, that as your word goes forth, it would refresh and revive, Lord. Your soul can penetrate into our deepest part, Lord, between soul and spirit and sift and analyze our very innermost thoughts. And I pray this morning that you would come, your word would come like that knife, Lord God. It would cut through all the rubbish in our lives, Father God, that it would refocus us, Lord God, on what is most important, Lord, that we would see what we need to see this morning, Father, that we would hear what we need to hear this morning, Father, that the filters and the blindness would be removed this morning, Father, that we would grasp what you are commanding us in this hour, Father God, that we would really take to heart, Father God, and preserve the word that lands in our hearts this morning. Lord, may it be good word, good seed landing on good soil this morning in Jesus' name. I take authority over the enemy this morning and every plan of the enemy, and I break his power in this place in the mighty name of Jesus. And I say nothing will hinder your word this morning, nothing will stop your kingdom coming, your will will be done right here in this place as it is in heaven this morning. Father. We're expecting for your angels to minister unto us this morning, Father God. We're expecting for signs and wonders to follow the preaching of this word this morning. That those who are sick in this place would leave healed this morning, Lord. That those, Lord, who need freedom would find their freedom this morning as your word goes forth, Lord. Because your word goes forth and it does not return unto you void, Father God, but it accomplishes your purpose this morning. And may it accomplish your purpose in our lives this morning, Father God. May it break through, Lord, every faulty thing that we have every Lord lie of the enemy this morning may you tear it down in the name of Jesus may we see ourselves as we should see ourselves this morning Father may we understand who we are in you this morning and may we step into our identity and destiny as a church this morning Father thank you Holy Spirit (laughs) Woo, Jesus we praise you this morning your Thank you for what you're doing in our midst. May we just get it this morning, Lord. May we get it. May we really grasp it. Amen. Okay. So I've been talking uh, a little uh, about recently about about hot prayer. Um, If you've been here for the last maybe two or three weeks, uh, last week we had a a guest here, but the two weeks before that I've I've been talking about prayer. And in particular, what we've 
uh, nicknamed hot prayer. All right. So if you're wondering this morning what is hot prayer, then I would encourage you to go get the podcast from the previous weeks because um, I really feel like the word that has been coming over these last couple of weeks is is now word for us. It's shaping word for us. It's word that is um, molding us and calling us into our destiny. You know, sometimes the the sermon or the word that comes is is an equipping word, and it's for me and for my life. But I really feel so strongly that the last couple of words have really been words for us corporately. Um, There is a corporate call on this word. And there is a corporate cry uh, from heaven this morning. There's a cry from heaven for us to respond corporately as a church and to rise up and be a church that prays. And, um, And like we've never prayed before. And... I'm so aware this morning of the fact that, you know, I have a sermon here this morning and it, and it, and there might be some good quotes and some good scriptures in here. Um, but I'm utterly powerless, <laughs> um, for you to actually grasp this. I can come with great philosophy and great eloquence this morning, but I want you to know my prayer is in, and my faith is in the power of God's Spirit for you to grasp this. If I could swing from the ceiling and get shot out of a cannon this morning or, I don't know, do set myself on fire this morning to, to, to help you get run the comrades, oh Lord. <laughs> if, I could, if I could, I would <laughs> this morning for you to get this. And not just hear this. But get this and respond to this. Because I really believe that there is an incredible destiny that God has for us as every nation Durban. And, and what he's putting his emphasis on right now is the key. It is the, it is the, it's the, it's the thing. Alright? Can you say the thing? It's the thing. Alright? And so I'm, I'm aware that I have this morning and, and, and next week we're starting a new series. My wife is going to be kicking that off. Next week it's called Transformed, but I'll let, I'll let her introduce that to you. That, that's happening next week. So I know that I have this morning. And, um, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm trusting God that this morning, if you haven't yet got this, you're going to get this. Amen. Um, just to give you an update, we, we are building a 24-7 prayer room for the city of Durban. Yay. So. We have a room up here, and um, when God gave us this venue, he said, it's going to be a sanctuary, and it's going to be a place of prayer. And he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And so we are, I feel like we're stepping into our call as a church, like God has called us to do this thing. I believe he's given us this position in the city of Durban, which, you know, I've stood on the roof up here and I've looked. This is a high point in the city of Durban. This is a strategic place. I was networking with some other churches this week. And, and when they heard where the prayer room is, they said, is that in Gravel? And I said, yes, it's in Gravel. And they said, wow, that's amazing because that's where all the revivals have, have actually were in the old days. They happened here in Gravel. There were, there were incredible revivals that took place here with radical healings and thousands of people coming and giving their lives to Jesus. And yeah, it's engraveable. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, it's one of the reasons why the city prayer happens 
in Greville is because we believe it's a strategic place in the city. Um, so, guys, we need to understand that, you know, that, that who we are. We need to understand who God is calling us to be as a church, what God is calling us to do as a church, and we need to step into our identity. You know, just like you, uh, you know that God has got a specific call and an individual call on all of our lives. He's called some of us to be accountants, some of us to be politicians, some of us to be homemakers. He's, he's got these calls on our lives individually. He also has a call on us corporately as well. And, um, and you can flirt with your destiny. You can know what God's called you to do. But you can never step into it. You can just flirt with it. I know this God's called me for great. I know God's called but, but you never actually take a step that says, in faith, I know that you've called me to do this. You know, and, and so a lot of people just flirt with their destiny. And I want to say, we're not going to be that as a church. We're not going to flirt with our destiny. All right? We're not going to flirt with our purpose. We're going to step into it. And, and so building this prayer room is part of that. It's, it's a step of us saying, you know, we're doing this with zero budget. And it's incredible how, you know, we have a team of volunteers here in the church who've, who said we'll come and help. And yesterday there were people in here working till, you know, I don't know, 8 o'clock at night at their own expense, at their own whatever volition, just renovating and building and getting this thing to, to what it needs to be. And... Um, and, and uh, yeah, I just think it's, a more, it's awesome. I think we have an amazing church and we have amazing hands this morning. And yeah, we can give those people a clap for, for what they're doing. Um, the idea is that eventually this, this room, we, we're going to have some sort of app or site where you're going to go and you're going to register. And on the, on the website, you'll be able to book hours in the prayer room. Um, we're going to make sure it's secure. There's going to be surveillance TV. We're going to have a biometric scanner. That's the new thing. So you, you'll get your thumbprint scan. So you'll have thumbprint access into the prayer room. Um, so you can come at any time of the day, any time of the night. Um, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I know the hot hours will be the 2 a.m.s, the 3 a.m.s, the 4 a.m.s. Amen. They're going to happen. Yeah. So we're going to open it up to the city of Durban, to all the other churches in the city. Um, we're going to market it to them, tell them that all their members and, and can come and, and use it. And the vision is that we will have 24-7 praise, prayer, and worship going unto our Father. Amen. Um, why? 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 <laughs> Why should we do that? <laughs> well, because we're not here to play Christianity. Yeah. We're not here to, you know, have a, a nice little religious experience. We're not here to have our nice little comfortable lives and our nice God who takes care of my needs and, and I'm okay and me and my family, we're all okay. So the Lord looks out for me and I come and I give him the praise that he needs and I go back to my little comfortable life. No. No. That's not the call. The call is for the city of Durban. We're doing this for the city of Durban because this city needs to be saved. And lives need to be transformed. And the structures in our city need a, a, a reformation. <laughs> They need that. Our government needs a reformation. Our schools, 
our campuses, our police force, our municipality, our homes, our neighborhoods. Listen, if you look around the city, you know, one attitude that we can have is like we can look at all of this and we can go, well, as long as I'm okay and I've got walls and I've got armed response and I've got medical aid and I'm okay, then God is good. But Jesus didn't just save us for ourselves so that we could have comfortable lives. He saved us so that we could be part of his body, which is called his church. And a body mustn't just lie on the ground. (laughs) A body needs to move. A body needs to do things. Amen? And so we're going to be a body that does something. All right? We're going to be, we're a church that believes in transforming this city. Right? While we, we can worship here and we can have a good time, but if we walk out of here and we don't pain for the empty seats, something doesn't break in us for the, that person that we know that should be that here that's not here, then we're not stepping into our destiny and calling. We're not fulfilling what God has mandated us to do. We can't walk out of here and go back to a comfortable life and watch the city crumble in many ways and just be okay with that. No. All right. And the first step in this whole thing is that we rise up and we start to pray. That's the first step. The first step is that we say enough with the enemy. Enough with people. You know, if they're going to go to hell, let them go over our bodies. Let them have to jump over us. Let them have to force themselves past us to get there because we are in the gap. We're standing in the place where we're saying, Lord, let your kingdom come to this city. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We, we need a godly dissatisfaction with the way things are, people. You know, while we carry this awesome satisfaction that God, we saved in heaven as a home and we're sons of the king and we carry that satisfaction, there needs to be another part of us that burns for the harvest of God, that burns for souls to be saved, for bodies to be healed, for deliverance to come to families, marriages to be restored, for prostitutes to get off the streets, for street kids to get off the streets, for for poverty to be broken in our city, for righteous people to arise and start ruling in our city and and, and uh, go with the authority of God and the wisdom of God and exercise that in every sphere of society. That's why we are here. Jesus never ever died and shed his blood for a church that could just be comfortable on a Sunday morning and then complacent Monday to Saturday. He never died for that church. If you go read the book, the, the Bible, and you look at the book of Acts, you'll see that wherever the church came, they were accused of turning the world upside down. <laughs> they were accused of that. That's the right way round, actually. <laughs> they, the, the people were accusing them of turning things upside down. What they were doing was turning things the right way up, how they should be. Every city that they went to, there was huge, you know, there were chaos happened. People, you know, people were getting saved and upset and rallies were happening and even riots were happening in Ephesus. People were gathering to, around their idols to try and protect their idols. In the city of Ephesus, they, they, uh, the whole city gathered together and cried out for two hours, great is Diana, the, 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 the idol that they served. Because people were getting saved and turning from that worship to the true worship. 
You know, wherever the church goes, there's this, there's this thing that happens. It's, it's, it comes against what is wrong. It, it challenges what is wrong. It says, it says, you know, it's not meant to be complacent, cozy kind of gospel that we're talking about here. It's actually a gospel of incredible conflict. You know, when, when, when Christ comes in, He changes things. <laughs> He changes the way we, we, we live, we speak, we move. And when he comes into a city, he changes things. And that's really this gospel. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want to see. <laughs> that's what I want to see. I want to see a church that's alive and powerful and moving and the lust are getting saved and the lame are walking and the blind are seeing and government officials are turning and repenting and we're seeing transformation in society. That's what impact is all about in our vision statement. We're here for impact. We're here to leave a lasting change. We're here to make a difference. We, 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 I don't know about you, we, are you happy that we would leave Durban and get to heaven one day and go, oh, it was just like we found it? No. No, 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 no. That it would be like, we, and God was like, what, what, did, what did you do? We're like, well, we, we had good worship on a Sunday. And I read my Bible. That's awesome. But where was the impact? Where was the change? What difference came to our neighborhoods? Listen, Jesus burns for the whole world. <laughs> he cries for the whole world. His heart is so big that every person can fit in it. And he is the only reason why we still Alive to this day is because he's merciful. Is the fact that he's patient and he's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's the only reason why we have 2018. I can, I, I think there was like a debate at the end of 2017. Jesus, Father, the Holy Spirit, should we call it? Is this it? Should we wrap it up right now? Should I, should I come back with my angels in flaming fire and take vengeance on those who do not know you? Should we, should we end the age and should we step into the glory and the, the, the new age where, where I rule and I'm king of kings and lord of lords? And, and there's this debate and the father just goes, you know what guys? My mercy has not yet run out. Let 2018 happen. My mercy, my loving kindness is still there. I believe in the church. I believe in the body that I purchased with my blood. I believe my, you, Holy Spirit, in them is the, is the hope of glory. It's that you, that there's still another one that can come in. There's still the transformation that can take place. And so 2018 happened. And we celebrated the new year. Woo! But we celebrate for ourselves. Not for the fact that we have another day. For him and his kingdom to come. We need a change, church. We need to change our mindsets. We need to change our hearts. We need to start valuing the kingdom of God more than anything. And more than ever before. We need to repent of our complacency. We need to repent of our lukewarmness. We need to repent of being so wrapped up in in material things. And things that are so temporal and don't really carry any eternal significance. And we need to put the kingdom of God first and seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We need to put him first again in our lives. Amen? How can we do that? 
We can do that by praying. (laughs) You know, we can do that by praying. When we come and we start to pray, and we start to cry out for the things that break His heart, it's a good sign that the kingdom is first in our lives. When we start to say, let your will be done, what we say is a good sign that we, 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 that we write, that we aligned right, that, that, that our hearts are in the right place. You know, can you remember when it was that you cried out for the needs of others more than your own needs? It's, it's, it's a horrible thing. <laughs> Where we actually cried out for, for something that burdens God's heart. And not just, Lord, help me through my meeting today. Lord, help me, you know, pay the bills at the end of this month. Lord, help, like me and my life. When was the last time we cried out for something that was on God's heart? For an area in our, in our city that's broken and being ravaged by an enemy who's a liar who's trying to destroy people's lives. When did that bother us? <laughs> when, when, did we, when, when, when did we feel that burden last? And it's a good sign whether the kingdom is first in our lives. When was the last time that we gave to the point where it hurt? <laughs> because because we, we so wanted God to do something in somebody else's life. It's, I know, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, okay? But we need to hear this sometimes, huh? We need to hear this. Let's let's allow God to to do something this morning, Amen. Sure, I'm. Uh, yeah, let's. I'm going to preach, okay? Um, I'm going to start with Spurgeon this morning. He said the following. He said, "If the engine room is out of action, then the whole mill will grind to a halt. We cannot expect." Expect blessing if we do not ask or if we do not pray. I love that. I love that saying because he's saying if the engine room is out of action, he's talking about the prayer room, okay? And in Spurgeon's church um, in England, he had a mega church of thousands upon thousands. That there, there would be um, the mayor of the city coming in London, uh, politicians, rulers would, would come to this church on a Sunday and um, a lot of people just wondered, what was the grace on, on Spurgeon? Was, was he just a really good preacher? And he was a good preacher. Um, was there really good music? They did have good music. But the real attribute, Spurgeon says, why, why their church was impacting and influencing society so much and transforming London was because under their church, they had a prayer room. And they would gather in the hundreds before every service started and they would cry out for London. Then they would say, Lord, give us London. Give us the city. They would cry out for deliverance for the drunkards in their city. They would cry out for the prostitutes to come off the streets. They would cry out for the orphanages to be provided for. They would cry out for their city. And they had that, he called it the boiler room, all right? This boiler room happening under their church. And the effect of that was that we started, they started to see the kingdom coming. When we start to pray like that, People, God starts to move. God starts to change things. Jesus taught us to pray. And interestingly, in, the, in that prayer, he's, he taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, this is how you need to pray. 
Pray that the kingdom would come from heaven to earth. That the will of God would be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, that's how you pray. In other words, the way the kingdom comes to earth. The way we see heaven on earth. The way we start to see all the things that God has promised. The way is through prayer. Pray for the kingdom to come. Pray for the will of God to be done on earth. And we need to pray that. So when we start to pray that, we start to see that. The kingdom of God and everything that's there, my goodness, it's beautiful. (laughs) My goodness, it's incredible, the kingdom of God. There is so much for us. There is everything that we could possibly need in God's kingdom. Everything that we need is there. The kingdom is laden with it. It's bountiful. It's, there's provision. There's healing. There's everything is in this kingdom. It's rich. It's ripe. But the way it comes to earth is through prayer. And not just any prayer. I'm talking hot prayer. Hot prayer. <laughs> That's how the kingdom comes. And you know what? There's, there's, there's this... There's this if, if we want God's things, we have to do things the way God ordains them to be done. You know, we, we, we can argue with God, ah, oh, but Lord, I don't want it to be like this, and I don't want it to happen like that. And but if He's ordained a way for something to happen, let me tell you something, you will, you will cry until, until the cows come home, alright? You have to do things His way. You know, there's a story in Second Kings about Naaman, right? Who was a ruler, but he had leprosy. And he wanted to be healed. And somebody heard that there was, there was this prophet called Elijah who could heal the sick. And so Naaman went to go and see this prophet called Elijah so that he could be healed of his leprosy. And he arrived at Elijah's house. And it's amazing, he's, he's a ruler, right? He's, he's like a man with incredible authority, and, and he's got servants, and he's got soldiers, and he's, and he's, he's an official. He's arriving at Elijah's house. And, and, and Elijah's servant comes and tells him and says, Hey, Naaman is here to see you. Most of us would be like, Oh, you know, let's go get dressed, and you know, make sure you, you look all right, and you're going to go see Naaman, all right? This big, important person. But Elijah says to him, um, What does he want? <laughs> To the servant, and he says, "No, he wants healing." So he says, "Okay, tell him to go dip himself seven times in the river, and he'll be and he'll be healed." He doesn't even come out and greet the guy. Naaman, the servant comes to Naaman, and tells Naaman, "You need to go into the river, into the Omgeni. You need to dip yourself seven times, and come out, and you'll be fine." That's what the prophet says. Naaman's like, "What? Did I waste my time coming here? What the?" What is this? I need to go dip myself in the Omgeni River. You know what? And he gets on his horse and he starts to ride away. And, he's, and his servants plead him, say, please, boss, <laughs> just, just try. You never know. You never know what could happen. Just try. But he was so offended. And eventually, after the struggle, he obeys. And he goes and dips himself in the river seven times. And he's healed. God has ordained a way. <laughs> And we can argue with it, we can be offended by it, we can try and negotiate it, we can try and say, well, I'll try and do it in my way, a little bit, like this way. But if he has ordained a way, then he's ordained a way. <laughs> and he said, the way that the kingdom comes is through prayer. 
If you want to see the kingdom in your life and in your family and touching your home and your neighborhood and your body and your finances, you are going to have to pray. And you can try and negotiate all you like and you can lie in your bed and say, well, I'll just try and pray like this or like that or whatever. But if he's ordained a way, he's ordained a way. And you will go without until you align yourself with what he has said you should do. You will go round and round the mulberry bush, we call it. It's an expression. I have experienced this in my life. I have tried to negotiate God's conditions many times. And I go round and round the mulberry bush. And a year or two later, I come back to that point And he says, and I was like, Lord, why isn't this happening? Why isn't this happening? He says, no, I told you if you, if you do this, then you'll have that. And we go, oh, okay, sure. And, I, and then I go and try other things. <laughs> and then I come back. A year later or whatever, and I'm like, Lord, why isn't this happening in my life? And he's like, oh, maybe you forgot. I told you, if you do it this way, then you will see. (laughs) You know what God's told you to do. Just do it. Just do it. Do what he said. Amen? Nudge somebody this morning and say, just do it, man. Just do it. (laughs) He's ordained the way of prayer. I want to just give you three Essential elements of hot prayer this morning. Three essential elements. Are you in Daniel 10? Daniel 10 verse 12. This gives us a window into why consistent prayer is so important. Daniel's praying and he's fasting consistently for 21 days. And then this is what happens in verse 12. It says, Then he said to me, Do not fear. This angel arrives. And he says, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. Because of your prayer, I've come. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. This scripture gives us a perspective Well, just a window into the realm that we live, all right? We live in a realm here on earth that has principalities and powers. This, this prince or this king, this prince of Persia is talking about a demonic power that was ruling over that city. And so even over Durban this morning, there are principalities. There are demonic powers. There are forces of darkness that are over the city. And the climate, over the city determines what we see in the natural. So if we're looking at the natural and we're seeing like divorce and sickness and poverty and we're seeing all not God stuff, then it's a good indication that up above there is a story of a stronghold and a position that the enemy has over the city. And everything in the natural is subject to the climate, whatever climate is over it. You know, if, if, if the rain stops, the ground dries, the ground dries up. Sorry. <laughs> the ground dries up. If it, if it pours, then, then everything comes around. Everything is subject to the climate that's under it. Everything in the natural. And so there is a spiritual climate over the city. There's a spiritual climate over schools. There can even be a spiritual climate in your workplace. 
And then suddenly you, you, you know it's something. You arrive there. You just know this is not the kingdom of God. <laughs> you know this is just, there's backbiting and gossip and all sorts of stuff happening. And what, it's just, what is going on here? It's, it's demonic activity. It's principalities. It's powers at work. It's, it's rulers over setting the climate in that place. And God has called us to be climate changers. God has called us to shift climates over cities. And the way we do that is through persistent prayer. We see in this example that Daniel prayed persistently for 21 days and a breakthrough came. Angelic forces arrived and, and here we see he gets revelation of, of, of many things that are, are work to come, um, even up to the line of Christ. And so... We see Daniel persistently praying. We see a, there's stronghold over, but from the day he started praying, God hears. So God hears us the moment we start. All right? But there's obviously a spiritual battle that then ensues. There's, there's a repositioning. There's change that needs to take place. Imagine if Daniel had given up on day five. Day seven. Oh, I really don't feel like this prayer is doing anything. Maybe I should do something else with my time. Day 10, he gets, you know, you know, ah, discouraged. Day 12, no, for 21 days he keeps going and then he sees the breakthrough. We've got to learn how to persist in our prayers. We've got to learn how to pray until we see breakthrough. And obviously the, 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 the more we unite, the more there are of us and the more times we come together, the more powerful it is. And what we can do, what, what the ability that we have as the church of God is that we can unite with other believers and we can agree in prayer and we can shift climates in our workplace. We can shift climates. Paul was just telling me this. He lives in an area here in the city in a block of flats. And he was just saying, you know, they would wake up at 2 a.m. in the morning since they've moved in at the beginning of this year, they would just hear women screaming or shouts or stuff. They would wake up, what's going on? They would look, there'd be nothing. And when I started preaching on when God shakes the room a couple of weeks ago, they were like, you know what, this, this thing that's happening, almost every night there's some screaming that's taking place. We think this thing's demonic. Since that sermon, they started praying and interceding every night in their block. He said... There's been nothing since they started praying. There's been no screaming in their blocks. There's been no chaos in their block. Nothing. And that's just him and his wife agreeing in their block and saying no to the enemy. Saying this is God's place. And we stand. That's the power we have as the church. And we need to start stepping into this identity. Like in your workplace, you can get together with some other people and you can unite and pray and you can shift the climate in that place. Students, when we get together on campus and we pray, we can shift the climate over the campus. And this is, this is the power that's available to us in prayer. In James 5, 16, it says, The heartfelt, earnest prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. There is tremendous, tremendous power available to us if we would pray fervently. <laughs> And we all, oh, Lord, I want your power. He's like, pray. Okay, I'll get there. Come back. Lord, where, where the signs? Where the miracle? Where is this? Uh? And I said, oh, you must just pray fervently and you'll see that come. Okay, we'll get there, Lord. But we're just, just got to busy with this and I'm busy with that. And, you know, we'll get there. And then we come back. Oh, where, where? 
You pray. <laughs> Do it like he says. Let's, let's follow the book. Amen. Let's, let's obey the book here. Let's follow what God is saying to us. So when we come together consistently to pray, when we unite consistently and where there's continual prayer and praise, we can literally shift the climate permanently in a particular place. And not only that, we can create a channel for heaven to come to earth. You know, when the, when the, when the prayer movement, the 24-7 prayer movement started, it started with Pete Gregg on the, uh, at some point in, um, I don't know where, Portugal, where was it? I don't know. He was somewhere, and he had this vision of beams of light coming out of cities. And God was saying to him, that is the, that is the, the churches and that's Christians praying. And he saw this, this, the world in darkness and he saw these beams of light going. You know, at around the same time, I had a similar vision of the city of Durban in darkness. And I saw these beams of lights, like if someone was standing on the ground shining a torch, you know. And you just see the light going straight up. And I was like, Lord, what is that? And he said, that's the churches that pray. And you know what? Satan hates the light. You know like cockroaches, when you turn on the light, they're gone. <laughs> they're just like, you know. Demons hate the light. They hate the light. They cannot stay where the light is. The light burns them. They, they, they cannot, they love darkness. That's why he's called the prince of darkness, all right? They, they dwell in darkness. And Jesus said, be a city set on a hill. Let your light so shine before men. What? What light is he talking about? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And what we think that just means I'm going to smile today. <laughs> Did you get my light? Did you get my light? I'm just going to, we're going to smile. The light is prayer. The light is prayer. When we begin to pray, we build the connection between heaven and earth. And we can literally establish a channel between heaven and earth where, where the blessings of heaven can flow easily. Where there's no battle and we have to you know, pray and for 21 days and we see breakthrough. But where we can say, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And the person stands up and walks. In the name of Jesus, be healed, and they're healed. Why? Because we've created a climate where we're living under heaven. Where we live under heaven, where the, the, there's such a super flow from heaven, it's easy. You know, it's like internet, you know, just download high speed, like that. But, we, but, but it's with prayer. How many of you know what a beachhead is? Uh, Avi, if you wouldn't mind showing that picture. It's a picture of Normandy. Right in, in World War II. A beachhead is an area on the beach that has been captured from the enemy and on which troops and equipment are landed. So when the Allied forces came and invaded Europe uh, on D-Day, they, they, they arrived at Normandy and there was, the enemy was there to greet them. And if you've seen Saving Private Ryan, uh, you, you know what that was like, all right? That was, that's a really good depiction. Um, and, and so the enemy was there, and the Allied forces are landing on the beach, and there's incredible battle that takes place, but the Allied forces are prevailing, and they're coming against, and they're destroying those, those, those fortified places that the enemy had. And on that beach, they eventually take control of it. Now, 
they have a beach. And they call it a beachhead. Now they have a safe place for all those cargo ships and everything else that back home has for them. Food, ammunition, whatever, uh, medical supplies, uh, you know, earth-moving equipment, tanks. All of that stuff can come and land on the beach because they have a beachhead. Now that's what our 24-7 prayer room is. It's a beachhead. All right, This moment right here, this is a beachhead. This moment Jesus has come with tremendous fighting. How many of you, you look back on your salvation experience and go, wow, that was battle. That was like light and darkness. There were, the enemy was grabbing me and trying to pull me back, but God prevailed and I'm, you know, I'm here and I'm saved to this day. The enemy almost destroyed me, but I'm here. There was a battle, but now you come to, to this place called church and church is now this, this beachhead. It's this place you can come to. You're safe here now, all right? You're safe, but from here, we need to pull in some supplies. (laughs) From here, we need to create this place where the supply of heaven, our home country, can come and flow readily to where we are. We have a beachhead. This, This building, this venue, this prayer room is about establishing that beachhead so that we can enable a supply from heaven to come to our city. Do you get that? I find that very exciting. Um, if you just think about the early church, all right, we feel was talking about it now in a tithe message. The early church is incredible church. They devoted themselves to prayer. They prayed in the upper room and God shook the room. Then when, when things went bad, they went back to the room and God shook the room again. All right, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That church, the apostles in Acts 4 were thrown into prison for preaching the gospel. An angel, this is amazing. (laughs) So they get thrown into prison, and then it just says, like in the next line, an angel came and let them out and told them to carry on. I'm like, wow. And then a little bit later, Peter gets thrown in prison. The church comes together and they pray, and an angel comes and lets him out of prison. (laughs) And and it, it, it records it like it's just so easy. And then it carries on in the next chapter and talks about how they were bringing the sick onto the streets so that even the shadow of Peter would might fall on them so that there was crazy signs. Deacons were going to other cities and causing massive revivals. Philip, you know, he was just a deacon in the church who, who went down to the city and there was an incredible revival and the lame were walking and all sorts of, and you look at this power and angels just coming and letting people out of prison and you see they had built a beachhead they had a foundation of prayer they had a commitment and a devotion to prayer to the point where the kingdom was just forcefully advancing and destroying the works of darkness jesus said this he said the gates of hell will not prevail against my church are we his church? Are we the church that he would say, that's my church? <laughs> and we need to be that church. Because that's the church that prevails over the gates of hell. That bashes them open and plunders hells and sees salvations and miracles happen. Jesus said this in Matthew eleven twelve. He said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, 
The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. What was he saying? That we must go and be violent and go blow up temples and mosques and because the kingdom, no. That would go against everything that Jesus had taught about, you know, loving our enemies. Okay? What he was talking about was a spirit, a disposition, an inner attitude of violence against the works of darkness. That there's something inside of you that says, I do not want the enemy to be prospering in my family, in my neighborhood, the way he is on my campus. That there's this thing inside of you that says, no, Satan, you will not take my niece or my nephew. You will not destroy this marriage. You will not destroy this person's life. Even though they're going into, into drugs and, and, and fornication, Lord, I say no to that. In my spirit, man, there's a violence in me that says no to that thing. And by four, he's talking about an attitude and disposition in prayer. That in prayer we are we're violent with the enemy. That we say no to his plans and we say yes to the kingdom of God. That there's, and what Jesus is highlighting is that there's spiritual battle for everything that we want to see. It suffers violence means that, that, that there's always opposed. How many of you have found that when you try to pray, it's hard to pray? Go to church and it's hard to go to church. Serve and you don't feel like doing it. Give like you know you should, but you, and you look at your statement and it's like, I, oh, will I make it this month? <laughs> Maybe I should just hold back a little bit, you know? Like, there's, why? there's always resistance. Every step that you want to take, the enemy, he's, he's occupied it and he doesn't want you to take that step. And so there has to be a, a thing inside of us that says, you know what? I will tell the enemy to go away. And I will do what God has called me to do. Amen. John Donne said this. He said, prayer hath the nature of violence. <laughs> it has a nature of violence. I love that. In the public prayers of the congregation, we besiege God, says Tertullian. And we take God prisoner and bring God to our condition. And God is glad to be straightened by us in the siege. This is old English, okay? Don't be offended by what he's saying. It's just old English just, just to say that God so wants us to take the kingdom and run with it and pray it and speak it. And he just delights when we do that. Prayer hath the nature of violence. When we're praying, we're saying no to the enemy. We're saying yes to God. Time is against us. Three elements, quickly, of, of hot prayer. And when I say elements, I'm talking essential things that we need when we talk about hot prayer. The first one is kingdom vision. If we're going to be the praying church that God is calling us to be, the first thing we need to have is kingdom vision. Kingdom vision. The number one message that Jesus preached when he was here, if you, if you could summarize Jesus' sermons into a hashtag, it would be, the kingdom is here. <laughs> the kingdom has come upon you. Wherever he went, he preached about the kingdom. If we're going to be a church that prays the way God wants us to pray, we are going to have to have kingdom vision. What do I mean by that? It means that we have to, for example, when Jesus cast out a demon. He said, if I cast out a demon by the hand of God, then the kingdom has come upon you. Alright? What he was saying was that when the kingdom comes, liberty comes. 
deliverance happens, healing happens. When the kingdom is here, we see righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Everything that's broken, fixed in the name of Jesus. All right? that's, the, that's the kingdom coming to earth. It's, it, it, when all those things were happening, those miracles, those signs, were, wonders were happening around him, it was God's kingdom arriving and being established here on the earth. And, and so we need to have a vision for what the kingdom looks like on earth. We have to have an idea in our minds of what it looks like when God shows up in my family. What, imagine for a moment, if I just had to say, the kingdom of heaven comes to your neighborhood, your residence, your block, whatever. What does that look like? Just take a moment and allow God to inspire you with a vision of what that looks like. What happens if God's kingdom was to come today to the city of Durban? If we walked out these doors, like we prayed the kingdom came, God said, it's here. When we walked out these doors this morning, what would be different? What would have changed? That vision is so important. We need to allow God to inspire us with that sort of vision. Jesus, wherever he, he was, when he looked at people, he looked at harvest. He saw kingdom vision. All right? He saw what the kingdom was seeing. If we're going to pray, we have to have an idea in our minds of what we are praying for. Vision is, is what drives our prayer. Can you imagine? The Muslim and Hindu populations in our city coming to Jesus. Can you imagine that? Can you just like allow that just to seep into your heart and, and go, wow. Because it's possible. It can happen. Can you imagine Sangomas coming to church and repenting for witchcraft? Can you imagine us burning you know, all those objects of witchcraft and stuff. Can you imagine what your neighborhood looks like when God's kingdom comes? Can you imagine seeing thousands coming to Christ? What that looks like. Prostitutes getting saved. God's presence healing people. We, as the saints of God, need to have a vision. We, we need God to... Allow our hearts to be captured with a vision for how he would dream about our city. What does he see? What what does he want to take place? And it's when we start to think like that, when we, when we, you know, when we're in the prayer room, we're going to have different prayer stations. Like we're going to, you're going to be able to pray for different things in the city. But when you pray for them, that while you're praying, you're imagining what God's kingdom looks like when it arrives in that area. And when you have vision, that fuels your prayer. And eventually we should be captured by that vision. We should be like, this is all I want. The second element of, of essential element of hot prayer is authority. Is authority. We need to have kingdom vision, number one. And number two, we need to have authority and understand the authority that God has given us. In Matthew 16, Jesus said... And you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In Luke 10 verse 19, Jesus said, Behold, I give you 
authority to trample on snakes and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Okay? Jesus has given us as his church authority. But what we find in the church is that we are insecure about our authority. Or we are deceived about authority. So imagine for a moment you've got authority like Jesus has said. But I have convinced you that maybe because you know, you're not as good a Christian as you should be, that you don't have that authority. Do you have it? Technically you do. But will there be any practical application of this? No, there won't be. In your mind, you've had authority, your, your authority is not enough. Okay? We have to come back to what the scriptures are saying. God has given us authority to trample over snakes and scorpions, over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm us. We need to learn how to stand in that authority and exercise that authority. We need to learn how to agree in prayer. We need to learn how to bind the works of darkness. We need to learn how to loose the Spirit of God into places, loose people and situations from the hand of the enemy. You know, there are many times where, where, when Jesus is talking about binding and loosing, he's talking about binding the strong man. He's talking about loosing people from the hold of the enemy. That's He's talking about coming against demonic powers. And when he says, I've given you keys of the kingdom, what he's saying is keys speak about authority. All right, one of, the, one of the keys of the kingdom is authority. That we've been given authority to command the enemy to go. How many of you have watched the movie War Room? Great. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. There's this wonderful moment in the, in, this, in the movie where this woman and her marriage is falling apart and everything's going wrong in her life and everything, but she, she, she starts to understand her authority in Christ. And there's this wonderful moment where she goes and she opens her front door and she commands Satan to get out in the name of Jesus. And she feels a little silly doing it, all right? Because we do. We, like authority feels a little funny to us, you know? But she does it and things start to transform in her life. And I think that's a very excellent example of what happens when we as Christians begin to stand in our authority. That we don't have to tolerate the enemy doing what he's doing in our homes. Doing what he's doing over people's lives. We have authority to, to, to bind his works, to loose people from them and stand in that. Amen? And the, th- and the third one. So authority is an essential element, kingdom vision, and the third is care. Care. Um, and I'll finish with this point. What do I mean with care? Well, let me just quickly tell you a story. When I felt like God was calling us to, to start a work on the Wasteful Campus many years ago, uh, calling Trish and I as missionaries to that campus, to the students, I would pray for the campus in fact, it was amazing. God, he's so cool. I was really sick at the time, all right? And the only thing that I could do was pray. And, um, you know, sometimes desperation leads to discipline. And discipline leads to devotion. And devotion leads to delight. Sometimes he allows life to just get really hard in order to bring you back to the place where you're disciplined about the most important things, and then you find that you become devoted again, 
and you start to delight in that place. Who knows what I'm talking about this morning, all right? So if there's hard stuff happening in your life, it's maybe you need to come back to that place of being disciplined in prayer. So I was there. I was in that place of prayer. I pray every day for that campus. I would pray for hours for the campus, and I'd feel like nothing was happening. Nothing. Every day I'd pray. Nothing happened. Every day I'd pray. Nothing happened. Every day. And then God said to me, he spoke right at the end of my time of prayer, and he said this to me. He said, will you marry the land? I was like, what? What was that? And that was it. Next day I'd go and pray and it would be like hard and difficult and it would be like nothing. At the end of the day, then he said again, will you marry the land? I was like, what do you mean, Lord? What, marry the land? Yes, I'll marry the land. I'll do, I'll do whatever, you know? Let's, let's do this thing, you know? The next day I'd pray again, difficult, hard, nothing. At the end of it, he said, will you marry the, the land? And I was like, okay, you're speaking. I need, I need some revelation. I need some understanding here. I think it was about a, a couple days later, somebody gave me a tape on marrying the land. All right, There was this preacher back in the days where we had tapes. Okay, And I was listening to this tape, and in this tape, the preacher started talking about marrying the land. And I started to get an understanding of what God was saying. And what he was saying to me was this. He was saying, Wayne, I'm not interested if you want to do this just because you're like, excited about stuff. I want you to do this because you really care. Because <laughs> sometimes we can really get excited about the kingdom of God and woo, we want to see God move and let's, let's go, let's go, let's go. And it's actually all about the moment and not actually about the people at the end of the day that, that we're trying to reach. And what he was, he was challenging me and saying, do you care about the people or do you just want to do something big for me? Will you marry the land? Was, will you stay there on this campus? Will you give your whole life to this campus, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, until death do you part, will you be on this campus? And when I understood what he was asking me, I felt very challenged. Because I had this idea of hit Westville and then we move on to another one. And then we hit that one, we move on to another one. And I don't want to stay here for the rest of my life, Lord. I, I want to, I want to, let's go, we're going to go up in Africa, we're going to plant churches in Europe and in India. We, I've got vision, Lord, I've got plans, Jesus. You know what I mean? I, I can't be based at Westville Campus for the rest of my life and have kids and get married there and say, no, Lord, I, please, I've got other things I want to do. And he's like, will you marry the land? And I realized, you know, yo, this guy cares so much about people. He's not looking for the next super Christian. He's not looking for the next man, with, woman with the power for the hour to come in and do the thing. You know, he's not looking for that. He's looking for people who will stand in the gap. In Ezekiel 22, there's a scripture. It says this, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not have to destroy it, but I found none. This land will be destroyed by God. Our city will be destroyed one day. When Christ comes back, the Bible says that all of this will be judged. All of this will be destroyed. Okay? But he's looking for a man or a woman who will say, you know what, I care about my block. And it's not about... You know, I'm going to do it because then at church, I'm going to be famous. And, you know, at the leaders meeting, I'm going to be honored. And, you know, it's, I'm, I'm doing it because it's people. And it's their lives. And it's their families. And it's their future. And it's their salvation. And I will stay here, Lord. And I will give myself to this place so that you can move in this place. 
This is an essential element to hot prayer. Essential. Like if this is not there, I almost feel like our prayers are wada 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 wada. You know? It's, it's like, it's like superficial. God is interested in our hearts. Do we actually care about this land? Can you, can you stay in this city and pray for this city? And really care for the city. And when the city hurts, you hurt. When your neighborhood is hurting, that you hurt for your neighborhood. That you really genuinely give (laughs) for that place. The third one is care. What was the first one? Kingdom vision. Secondly, authority. And thirdly, care. Do we care? Come and stand to our feet. I'm done. Father, we just thank you for this time that we've had this morning. Lord, I, I hope that your word, I believe that your word, Lord, has landed on fertile soil this morning. And Father God, we just want to take this moment as a church to respond to your word. To rededicate or recommit our lives to what's most important to rise above just us and our comfortable little lives, Lord, and step into our prophetic destiny, Lord, of seeing the salvation and the transformation of our city, Lord. Lord, may your spirit begin to move right here, right now, in this congregation this morning. Lord, may you begin to stir up the passion for prayer. May you begin to align our hearts with you this morning. Come on, let's just pray a little bit this morning. Would you come, Holy Spirit, and just realign, redirect. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Where you are this morning, I want you just to respond however you feel you need to respond to the word this morning. Please, don't let this be another message. Please understand the importance of this moment. Please understand that this is the call for us right now, for what God is saying to us. There is tremendous power available. The problem's not up there, it's down here. Tremendous power available, church. Dynamic in its working. Angels to be released. Ministering servants to come. Whole families that can be transformed. Drug addicts that can be instantly delivered. Because we pray. Because we cry out to you. Because we say, your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. asking just now for an impartation, Lord God. If you wouldn't mind just raising your hands, Lord, I pray for an impartation this morning, God. May the sleeper arise, Lord Jesus. I have this vision of just like a giant rising up off the ground, and I just really feel that's us as a church. We're arising. 
into our calling, arising into our destiny and purpose.